You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1327 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you deep into the night on a Friday evening into Saturday, live from Birmingham. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And I really appreciate everyone listening to the podcast as always. Make it your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and YouTube on the video side. And as I said a second ago, today's podcast is live from Birmingham. Some audio challenges some technological challenges, but here we are feeding uh, the beast from a content perspective necessarily, and the Hawks close out the preseason. So the preseason is now over officially for Atlanta. They go down by a 120-111 to margin in Birmingham against the New Orleans Pelicans. People kind of ask me why this game was played in Birmingham. Long story short, it was a Pelicans home game, and the Pelicans G League team is in Birmingham. Honestly, a great arena for the G League. It's a massive NBA size arena. It was recently remodeled, and a really nice venue actually here in Birmingham, and a pretty good crowd as well. It was announced as a sellout. It was definitely very, very busy for a preseason game, and lots of buzz in the arena. The one thing that was not buzzy was that Zion Williamson was not playing, but he was actually in the building, getting lots of attention, and for the most part, in the first half anyway, there were lots of... uh, Real like regular season kind of feel in this game. Uh, it definitely cooled from there, as we'll get into on, on the podcast later on. But a fun night at the office, and you know, only two and a half hours or so from Atlanta, and the closest thing to a home game the Hawks have had in the entire preseason run because of Abu Dhabi. Those games were technically home games for Atlanta, but obviously they were they were across the uh, the world basically. And then they went to Cleveland, and now to Birmingham, and then uh, from here the. Exhibition schedule is over. The Hawks will return to Atlanta. In fact, they're flying there as we speak. A very brief flight from Birmingham over to Atlanta. And then the Hawks will be back in action at practice later on this weekend. And then into the opener, which arrives on Wednesday. So I say all that. It'll be a little bit of our traditional podcast format for our post-game. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. What we do on this show, on game nights anyway, is break down what transpired with some big-picture analysis, some takeaways, etc. A little bit different on the preseason shows, especially this one, because in the first half, it was kind of full go for the Hawks, and it was not so much full go in the second half of this game, but we'll have all the stuff that you can look for from this evening's game and a look ahead to next week and beyond. Uh, in the pregame, uh, it had been kind of quiet on Click Appella since he left Wednesday's game with a thumb sprain. That was kind of my number one uh, talking point coming into the night was to get something on Capella on some level. He was ruled out pregame for this one, but I asked Nate McMillan if there was anything serious there that might be affecting his regular season, and Nate basically said no and kind of downplayed the severity of the injury, but he said it was just sore at this point in time. That's all we have for now, nothing official, but it seems like by those comments by Nate, they weren't too worried. He was at shoot-around, shooting around, actually, uh, getting shots up, etc. So that's a little bit of a, uh, a sigh of relief, potentially, and obviously we won't know until a little bit closer to Wednesday, but uh, he did not play in this game. It is preseason. Uh, worth noting that the Pelicans are a pretty bad matchup for the Hawks in some ways, especially with Al Capella because of the way they can attack and their size with U.S. Valanciunas, but obviously not a huge impact to Capella not being there in terms of like the actual wins and losses. Not, not really the uh, point of this, so 
being careful with him is the right decision with a few days now in between uh, now and, and the actual opener on Wednesday. But uh, fingers crossed on that one. The Hawks do need Capella no matter what. Uh, and basically, as, as good as the Congo is, the Hawks will be at their best with the with the both of them available this season. Uh, the other thing that was injury-related that we got some more clarity on, at least a little bit more, was the Bogdanovich situation. Nate McMillan said that he's still not doing anything full on the floor or any movement, just shooting at this point. And he said, and I quote, he's still a ways away. End quote. Now, this is not a surprise to me. They have not ruled him out just yet for the opener on Wednesday, but as I said earlier on this week on this same podcast, I would be pretty shocked if Bogey played in the opener. Um, I always kind of thought that was possible coming into the summer and beyond that he might miss the beginning of the season, but the Hawks have sort of downplayed it on some level, but it's kind of, they go out of their way not to share information unless actually asked about it. Nate in particular does not love to give a ton of context. But if he's not doing anything now, I can't imagine him playing. So keep that in mind as uh, Wednesday approaches. But the Hawks kind of played their first half tonight as if he was not going to be there. And we'll get into how that all broke down. But again, I'll be pretty surprised if he plays on Wednesday. Um, other than that, not a whole lot of detail on the actual plan for the game. He said the Hawks were going to play a lot of guys, which definitely ended up being true. He did not reveal this until later, but as we'll get into in a moment, um, Nate said after the game the plan was always going to be the starters in the first half and not in the second when I actually asked about that after the game. So that was uh, definitely the plan on their side, and what they executed didn't really tell us that before the game, but here we are. And uh, on the Pelican side, no Zion, which takes a little bit of the zoom out of it when it comes to the buzz in the arena, but... The Pelicans played their guys uh, even more than the Hawks did, honestly. It was everybody except for Zion. It was Brandon Ingram, it was Herb Jones, and CJ McCollum, and Jonas Valanciunas, etc. So a pretty competitive game in the first half. Um, in fact, speaking of that first half, we'll dive into the game now. And by the way, our friends at Online had the Hawks as two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one. They didn't cover, so there you go on that. And uh, one big caveat at the top of the podcast um, I was actually courtside in a very interesting twist. I'm not usually courtside, um, even when I'm in the building, which is most of the time. Um, I'm usually in the regular media seating, not in courtside, but because there were not a ton of media in Birmingham and they kind of rolled the red carpet out a little bit, myself, Lauren Williams, um, Kevin Chenard, etc., we were actually literally behind the broadcast booth. So got a little bit of insight across the board there, but the big thing was coming into the game and all the way through the game, the stats were a bit of a mess in this one. I've got the best that I can at the end of the, at the end of this, and we'll share those uh, sort of along the way here. But there was a mix-up on Trent Forrest and Aaron Holiday. There was a mix-up on Vic Krejci in the first half. Um, in the first quarter, there were kind of just no stats at all to be had, at least in real time. So a little bit less information than we normally would have at this point. But uh, anyway, preseason for everybody, obviously, at this stage. Um, as for the game itself, the Pelicans came out with Herb Jones guarding Trey Young. No surprise there. The Pelicans don't really play very small, and obviously they have C.J. McCollum, but Herb Jones is a great defender. The Hawks kind of countered with having Trey be on the ball a little bit more, which is probably wise because Herb Jones is capable of denying Trey the ball, which is not great. In fact, Trey made a three on the first position of the game. Uh, but the Hawks defensively really struggled in the first quarter. They got 15 points in the first four minutes or so. Brandon Ingram really had it going. He's just incredibly long. Uh, his, uh, his, his legs go all the way down. It's kind of crazy in person. But he scored 11 of the first 18 for the Pelicans. There was a nice bucket from Okongwu, actually, when he um, finished through contact. But then he had sort of an airball and a push shot. And honestly... Valanciunas is one of the worst matchups in the league for him on paper, just size-wise. Obviously, he's not as good as like Jokic or Embiid, but JV is just a huge, huge individual, and he uses his size really well on offense and on the glass. I will say, Akamu was pretty struggling with him in the first quarter, and then McMillan said this after the game, and I definitely agree with that. He got a lot better after that. He definitely toughened up, a little bit more physical, and uh, made, made some adjustments to kind of play a little bit better in that matchup because it is a challenge for him size-wise. But the Hawks were down by 15 pretty quickly, 26-26 to 11. Nate was 
kind of visibly frustrated, honestly. Not a huge surprise there. The Pelicans opened on the first 17 possessions. They had 26 points. That's pretty impressive. They had one turnover. They, have, they were 11 of 14 from the floor in the first seven minutes. Um, rotationally for the Hawks, it was not a huge surprise. And if you're listening to this podcast the last few days and uh, week plus since Abu Dhabi, um, this is going to sound familiar, but the Hawks basically used the rotation in the first half that I would expect them to use if they had exactly this personnel available, i.e. they did not have Capella or Bogey in this game. It was Justin Holiday as the first sub. He came in earlier than you would expect because Hunter got three fouls in a hurry in this game. But from there, it was Justin Holiday first, then Aaron Holiday for DeJounte Murray. That was very similar to what they did in Abu Dhabi as well. Then Jalen Johnson actually came in for a Kongwu first because they didn't have a backup center other than Kaminsky. They used Collins there a little bit in the first half. Um, notably, that happened right when the Pelicans went away from Valanciunas. Uh, that was probably uh, purposeful from the Hawks' standpoint. But they brought in Kaminsky from there. So the Hawks played nine guys, the four bench players being, again, both Holidays, Jalen Johnson, and Kaminsky. Um, and I know everybody wants to see Edgy Griffin, who actually did start the second half of this game, but I think McMillan, if he had to play a game right now without Capella and Bogey, I think you probably see that, that, that nine-man rotation. And listen, uh, Kaminsky is not going to be great, I don't think, necessarily, but because of the fact that they only have three centers, if Capella was out, they probably would have to play Kaminsky on some level. I might go a little bit smaller and kind of use Collins at center more often, and maybe they would do that too, but we'll see. No surprises anyway, for me anyway, for the first half of the rotation. The Hawks did use Collins to punch Mitch Maxage in the first half of the game. He had a really pretty jump shot over Dyson Daniels. And also, Johnson played really well in this game. We'll come back to that later on. But he actually had a nice smooth three in that first quarter. But overall, not a lot to be excited about in the first 12 minutes. They were down 40-24. to 24. They scored less than a point per possession in the first quarter of the game. They had six turnovers in the first quarter, including four by Trey Young. They were 8 of 21 from the floor. And then defensively, it was kind of a catastrophe, honestly. The Pelicans scored 40 points. They shot almost 70% from the floor, 11 assists. They scored about 1.4 points per possession in the first quarter. And McMillan said this after the game. It was obviously plain to see if you watch this game in general. But uh, he was uh, noting how they did not have a ton of resistance in that first quarter. And he credited the second unit for kind of waking them up a little bit later on, which we get into as well. But uh, yeah, kind of ugly start. The Hawks did bounce back, as we'll get into in a moment. But uh, certainly not the way that anybody drew it up at the outset of this game. All right, we'll have more on the second quarter and beyond, as well as some takeaways and a look ahead briefly to next week's schedule, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is here in a big way. Bet Online is the number one source for all of your wagering information you want this weekend. That includes pro and college football and the latest developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. And it is not going to stop here. We'll have it all season long at Bet Online. Bet Online is also the continuous source for wagering information across the board. That includes live betting and esports and live scores. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to consume all the sports they have interest in this season. On this show, it's an NBA-centric podcast, but there are plenty of futures out there in the basketball world as well. That includes season win totals, conference odds, division odds, title odds, individual award odds, and much more. And beyond the NBA, BetOnline has odds and lines on college sports and baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to BetOnline right now on your mobile device or your computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll dive in now to the rest of the game flow and action in this one. Uh, one note, actually, going back to the first quarter, is that Trey Young played the entire quarter again. That is going to be the plan, it seems like. That's been something the Hawks have kind of intentionally done now in every game, is that Trey played the entire first quarter, um, and then they bring Jante Murray out mid-first quarter, and then bring him back in to kind of run the offense to start the second quarter. That's a pretty natural 
um, rotation for a lot of teams, especially if you have a player like Trey who's in great shape and can actually play a whole quarter. So that seems to be the plan. I like that. I think the stagger makes a ton of sense, just never having a moment unless you actually absolutely have to without Trey and DeJounte on the floor together. So uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. The Hawks had their best play of the entire game, though, right after that. They had a 17-0 run, actually, early in the second quarter. The Pelicans, after scoring 40 points in the first quarter, did not score for more than five minutes in the second. Uh, Jalen Johnson had, had a nice play defensively against CJ McCollum, where he kind of used his size to swallow him up. Ended up at a shot clock violation there. Had a great finish and transition as well. He was very good in this game. Um, Kaminsky struggled a little bit. He did make a three a little, um, sort of in his second stint. Had three quick fouls, though, and he was definitely a target for the Pelicans. They had some good ball movement, I thought, in that 17-0 run. The last possession was a really pr- pretty possession that ended up with an Aaron Holiday three off a few sort of whiz-around passes. Good to see that as well. The Hawks scored more points in the first six and a half minutes of the second quarter than they did in the entire first, which is kind of funny. And then they had actually a couple of uh, pretty encouraging catch-and-shoot threes after the run actually ended. The first one was kind of in semi-transition, but a good cross-court pass from DeAndre Hunter to Trey Young that was great to see from DeAndre for a corner three that Trey's going to make a very large percentage of the time as a open catch-and-shoot. That came right after Trey set DeJounte Murray up with one of those, and then later on in the quarter, Trey got another one from Murray that was uh, shot confidently and made. So DeJounte, obviously not going to be the best catch-and-shoot guy, but the fact that he was shooting those with confidence, I thought Trey and DeJounte played very well off of each other in the second quarter. That was good to see overall. And Murray was really good in that quarter, generally speaking. He got to his pull-up in the mid-range repeatedly, honestly, with ease in that first half. That shot is not great for everyone, but Murray has kind of proven the last year, maybe two years, that's a really good shot for him. Um, and obviously, he's getting if he's comfortable and getting that open look in rhythm, he's going to make it enough to justify taking it. Um, the Hawks had also had an awesome possession with about two minutes to go in the first half. If anything, almost overpassed it <laughs> because uh, it, a couple of, couple of good looks that were passed up on, but ended up with Congo getting a dunk after that great ball movement good to see that from Atlanta and then at the end of the half it was kind of kind of funny actually Trey Young got a technical foul with 0.6 seconds to go in the first half but generally speaking it was a great it was a great quarter it was 41-23 to go up by two after being down by as many as 16 or 17 in that first half the offense was awesome uh, Trey and Ajante had 33 points uh, in the first half and generally speaking second quarter they were very difficult to stop overall they ended up with a 124 offensive rating even after the slow start and uh, got up, got 21 threes. That's really good to see. Good volume there. 15 assists in, the, in that first half with the starters in play, only eight turnovers. The Pelicans did shoot the ball well in the first half, but only took nine threes. The Hawks won the math battle as a result of that. It could have been worse. The Pelicans did kind of have a, have a pretty interesting cold spell when they kind of just failed to score for like five minutes on some pretty decent looks. But I thought the Hawks were better defensively once the game actually kind of settled in a little bit from there. The second half... Um, Just spoiler alert here, not as interesting necessarily, but there were a few things I wanted to hit on. Um, At the half, they pulled the plug, as I said before, on the usual starters. No Trey, no DeJounte, no John Collins, no John Hunter in the second half. Only a Kongwu played in the second half of the starters, and honestly, it's because he's not actually a typical starter for the Hawks, and they had only two centers available. They wanted to play him a little bit more. That made a lot of sense, and a Kongwu, I think, got to like, I don't know, it was like maybe 20 minutes overall. It wasn't like he played a ton either, so that's worth noting. They had the ball in Jalen Johnson's hands quite a bit. They ended up starting the second half with A.J. Griffin along with the Holidays, Jalen, and Okongwu. Jalen 
Um, something I've been talking about actually quite a bit recently in the last few weeks, maybe even month plus, is that if they didn't have Trey or DeJounte or even Bogey, like, like what happened today actually in the second half, I think playing through Jalen makes a lot of sense. Like I think him and Aaron Holiday would work, would work well together. They were kind of having him play with Trent Forrest. I think Jalen is a pretty natural creator in some respects. Not a point forward necessarily, but someone who can at least handle the ball, get into some sets. And I think McMillan said after the game quite a few times, and one of those was when I asked him, like, they're okay with Jalen kind of initiating a little bit, which is good to see. Um, and also, by the way, New Orleans played their guys more in the third quarter. So it wasn't like the Hawks were playing against Scrubs in the third. In the third, it was kind of like second unit for the Hawks. I guess it started for the for the Pelicans. They kind of kind of unraveled from there the rest of the way. Um, there was a lot of a lot of holiday stuff in the third quarter, both Aaron and Justin. A couple of jump shots by both guys, nice drive by Aaron Holiday against um, McCollum for a good layup. Also, Justin got a dunk off of a nice backdoor pass by Kongwu that was nice to see. And then uh, that actually prompted Pelicans coach Willie Green, a uh, former Hawk, by the way, to call a pretty disgusted timeout right away when he was frustrated with the defense. Um, I thought Jalen was, again, really good in the third quarter, playing under control. He had another three. He was attentive on defense, had a huge block near the rim at the end of the quarter, and that was really, really good in that third period. And uh, the 11th guy that played for the Hawks was Tyrese Martin after his A.J. Griffin was the 10th. Then it was Trent Forrest and Jarrett Culver late in the third quarter. Culver, by the way, had a pretty ugly air ball on a three that was uh, not what you want. And then it was Vic Krejci as the last guy in for the Hawks as everybody played that was that was available to play in this one. They kicked it around a little bit in the third quarter. No, no huge surprise there. They lost the quarter, but it wasn't too bad given that the fact that the Pelicans actually played all their guys in that period. But I will say it was basically garbage time for the final 16, 17 minutes, something like that. Not a ton to get into as well. There were some observations. Obviously, a good time to kind of watch A.J. Griffin and Jalen Johnson. Um, Johnson had a couple of good moments again, like a nice grab-and-go that led to free throws. His uh, skill level kind of just pushing the ball there as a grab-and-go guy is pretty impressive. They had Vic Krejci handle the ball a decent amount. Um, AJ, by the way, tried a huge dunk in transition. But fellow first-round pick Dyson Daniels, who I actually love, um, denied it with a huge block at the rim. That was a fun moment um, just from a basketball standpoint. They did actually connect on a long lob to Jalen Johnson for a dunk right after that. They brought Aaron Holiday back in, kind of surprisingly for a veteran, but it kind of helped them run things a little bit more normally offensively, which is good for evaluation for guys like Griffin and Johnson with more structure. Also, Culver was really struggling. Trent Forrest is pretty invisible on offense at times. That's probably his biggest weakness is just his his creation on the ball. So um, they also did not set it up perfectly because, you know, with Forrest and a lack of Exhibit 10 guys, they would have kind of had to play Forrest like 15 minutes in a row, which they probably didn't want to do either. So they kind of got Aaron back in there for a few minutes. No harm, no foul. Uh, there was also a, it's kind of the last thing that I wanted to at least touch on real quickly because it was kind of funny. There was a referee mix-up late in the fourth quarter, and they had to go back like 20 seconds to kind of just run it back. And that only mattered because it was kind of just so funny to watch Nate McMillan and Willie Green reacting to it. They were kind of making fun of the officials. Troy Young was up and kind of confused and blaming the officials and said it was preseason for the refs as well. And Kind of a funny little moment there that you don't always see in games that are serious because obviously no, no one was that upset. It's a preseason game. It doesn't really matter. But it was kind of just one of those fun uh, moments courtside. Um, as far as takeaways are concerned from the game, like the stats are kind of just like out of whack in general for the team stuff because the game kind of ended, um, you know, after – the first half, really, and then especially after the third quarter. The Hawks, again, though, were good on offense when it actually mattered in this game, and uh, defensively, you know, so-so at times. 
I will say they found it after the first quarter uh, much better on both both ends of the floor. That second quarter honestly might have been their best in the entire preseason. Which once Trey came back in, they're really kind of firing all the cylinders against the real opponent there on offense and defense. Um, second half largely a waste, I would say, but it was good to see Jalen in particular play very well. More minutes for Griffin just to get him out there. He looked totally fine to me once again. So. Lots of positivity along the way, and uh, even if the fourth quarter was not anything to write home about, um, my friend Glenn Willis said this on Twitter, it was I, it was definitely a summer league atmosphere in the fourth quarter of the game, which if you're a, a true sicko, you probably enjoyed. I know I did on some level. So we'll leave it there for now, but that was uh, sort of the takeaways. And before we get to the uh, individual stuff, I wanted to at least touch on that in a roundabout way. All right, we'll dive into the players now, and this is a little bit tricky, again, because of the stats and how kind of weird they were along the way. Um, some of the minute totals are off uh, because of the way the, the league was processing things. Like they had Aaron Holiday, um, they actually had Trent Forrest in the book when it was obviously Aaron Holiday playing. Like in the final box score I'm looking at right now, this is I'm, in, I'm more than an hour after the game is over as I'm recording this. They have Trent Forrest for 31 minutes and Aaron Holiday for four, which is obviously not the case. So it's hard to trust a little bit of this stuff. That was kind of the one shining example of something that was definitely wrong. And then Vic Krejci played in the first half in the book and did not play in the first half in real life. So kind of a mixed bag there. But I'll, So I'll probably leave a little bit less on the stats than normal, but I want to at least take a look about how everybody actually played in this game. Uh, speaking of Trent Forrest and Jarrett Culver, not a lot going on there for either one of those guys. Culver had a nice dunk, but that was kind of it for those two. I think that Culver really struggled, like visibly struggled. I thought Forrest was just kind of out there, and uh, it's a reminder. Like I, I've always liked him, but he's not—he's not going to be a, an on-ball guy. And if he's—if he's playing point guard for you, you're not going to be. You're probably going to need some help on the wings. Uh, Jalen definitely gave him a little bit of that, but that's a, a shortcoming for sure. Um, elsewhere, uh, Aaron Holiday was good. I thought in this game he had a couple of decisive plays. I think they're going to lean on him, especially if Bogey is out to begin the season. I think you're going to see plenty of Aaron Holiday as like that third, fourth guard kind of guy. Not a perfect fit necessarily with Trey Young because they are they are pretty small, but he's good and unselfish. He actually talked to the media after the game and talked about how he's not really caring about being on, on the ball or off the ball and rolls. Like he just kind of goes out there and plays, which is true. He's a pretty good defender as well. Like not a great defender. He's pretty limited size wise, but he'll execute a system, etc. I think that was probably the case in this game. Um, elsewhere, Krejci was not particularly great. He did have two assists. He was 0-4 from the floor. Um, I thought Vit like looked okay, but uh, people kind of, like some asked me, I can't remember who it was now, so forgive me, about him playing some four. He is big, like he's a legit 6'8", maybe even 6'9", but he's pretty thin, and they view him as kind of more of a more of an on-ball guy, like a guard developmental prospect. I don't think he will play much at all this year. In fact, like I think he's going to, I think he's firmly behind Griffin and Martin in terms of the pecking order. I kind of wonder what would happen if they had to choose between guys like Culver and Krejci and maybe even Forrest. Um, but those guys, obviously, Krejci, uh, sorry, uh, Forrest and Culver on two ways. So we'll see. But I think Vit, like, at least has some flashes. Nothing great, but he's kind of your last guy that's not on a two-way contract, I think, at this point in time. Um, Tyrese Martin was fine, I thought. Didn't, like, stand out to me, but had a steal, was at least kind of active, like, did his job. I think Griffin should be ahead of him, and I think he probably is at this point, but Martin is a guy that they, they continue to like, and he at least will go out and play hard for you. Uh, AJ didn't have the best game after a couple of pretty good ones before this. Did hit a three at one point, um, was at least out there. I, th- I do think defensively he has been better than I thought he would be at this point. It is early. Um, I don't want to overstate it either. He's not been, like, fantastic. But he's not been um, a jarring 
you know, flashing sign for me on defense, which is probably all you can ask for for a 19-year-old rookie. Um, Justin Holiday, I thought played pretty well here. Didn't like have the best um, shooting performance early in this one, but definitely settled in. A couple of uh, on-the-move jumpers that went in, had a block, had a steal, was active, and I think he's uh, totally fine. I know there was a little bit of consternation when he came in the game ahead of Griffin. Um, I'll just say this, like it will, it should not surprise anyone if opening night, when the lights are on, they're going to play Justin Holiday. I think both Holidays would be ahead of AJ in the pecking order of like right now today playing, even without Bogey. Like obviously they're going to probably need Griffin at some point for a shooting, but uh, I think Nate's going to trust both Holidays over Griffin, which is probably the right move at this point, even if we all want to see AJ in the future. And then uh, last and before we get Jalen Johnson, Kaminsky played a lot in this game for obvious reasons without Capella. Uh, he got better as the game went along. I'll say that. Um, he didn't look good early at all. He looked pretty creaky. He, he settled in a little bit, looked a little bit more bursty. Um, obviously, he's not a great athlete or, anyway, but he had a couple of uh, jump shots, hit a three. He was bombing away. And I will say this, if you're going to play Frank Kaminsky, he needs to shoot. Now, I'm not saying he's a great shooter because he's not, but for a center, he's a good shooter. And I think that's part of his value is to provide that stretch, that stretch element. Defensively, he's never going to be great, etc. So if you're, if, you're, if you're out there, like on one hand, you don't want to like run your stuff through Kaminsky. But on the other, he's got to be aggressive on offense or he's not going to have really much value for you at all. So I thought he looked fine um, today compared to the other games. He was better today, especially after the first quarter. But uh, it is a reminder that they are going to definitely need Capella and Okongwu to stay healthy. And I do wonder in a game that mattered if they would lean more on Collins at the five because they don't want to do that a ton, but I think if that's your option versus Kaminsky, I would recommend doing that. I think Collins would be a much better option as a small ball five than playing Kaminsky. You could even use more of Hunter at the four if you had to, and more of Jalen at the four, etc. If they had to kind of get through a game, I would be uh, trying to minimize Kaminsky whenever possible. Um, Jalen Johnson was awesome in this game. 12 points, uh, I believe six rebounds and three assists. He was really grabbing going. He was playing physically. I think that um, it was definitely some of his best basketball he's played as a professional. Now, I'm not going to overstate it. It was a preseason game. I know that. But still, he kind of showed what you want him to show. I've always liked Jalen's game. That was the highest of a draft pick in my mind, and I've always kind of thought that. But uh, I think that defensively, he showed a lot in this one. Obviously, it's a preseason game again, but like he was organizing. He was in the right place at the right time. He's got great length. He's a good rebounder. Nate made a comment, I think, when I was – I'm not sure of a question I was asking or somebody else, but about his rebounding, and he kind of said, like, as long as Jalen rebounds, we want him to push it. Um, or at least he's, like, allowed to push it, basically. But um, they all agree he's, like, a secondary ball handler for them grab-and-go stuff, transition, he can really fly around. He shot the ball with confidence in this one. So all the boxes were checked. Um, he got a little bit of a late start, of course, after missing the Abu Dhabi trip, but looks really good. I thought that was really, really encouraging. Probably the number one takeaway of the entire night in terms of the on-the-court stuff was how Jalen looked in my mind. I think that was really, really nice to see for the Hawks. So uh, from there, the starters didn't play a lot, all 20 minutes or fewer. That's totally fine. They saw, they saw what, what they wanted to see from those guys. Um, DeJounte had 18 points in 18 minutes, five rebounds, looked really good, looked, looked decisive, looked like he was shooting the ball well, etc. Uh, Trey Young looked good after uh, kind of a slow start and some turnovers early on, had seven assists, uh, 17 points on, I believe it was... 11 shooting possessions, so that's pretty efficient as well. Shot well from three. Uh, Trey's not a concern for anyone, nor should he be. I thought it was funny that he got another technical, technical foul in this game, but uh, he's, def- he's just a competitive guy and uh, played the, played his role very well in this one. 
Uh, Colin Wu, as mentioned before, had a rough first quarter, like a really rough first quarter. It's a bad matchup for him against Valanciunas, but he, he did settle in. They talked about that a lot. I thought it was pretty obvious to see if you watch the game in, in full as well. And uh, Akong was really good. Uh, it's a challenge for him in some matchups, and I think JV in particular is high on that list. But he did kind of show you what you want to see about like just making adjustments and being physical and being assertive, and he played well after that. Uh, Hunter played well. Um, th- early on, like, Along with everybody else, he had a bad defensive sequence. Like he had a lot of trouble with Brandon Ingram, had a bunch of fouls, but um, he was he was fine after that. Played the least on the team because of the foul trouble, but was totally fine. And same for Collins. Like Collins didn't play great. He was kind of just quiet, but uh, he had been looking really good so far in preseason. So no concerns there for me either. So on the whole, preseason's over. They went two and two. Uh, does that matter? Not a ton. They were competitive. They tried. They probably played their guys as much as they probably reasonably could have in four games within like any you know bound of expectations. Um, not a whole lot of like negative takeaways. I think the only guy that you would say like really disappointed probably in preseason was probably Kaminsky. But even then, he has the excuse of being injured last year. Um, everybody else looked you know, solid or better in their roles. You know, Jalen looked really good tonight. AJ Griffin's come along well. Um, the holidays look like they're going to be quality role players for the Hawks. Um, Trey and Ajante had a great second quarter tonight together, and we both have shown flashes. DeAndre looks good. Um, Okongwu, Collins, etc. Capella looked good before he, before he got hurt in the thumb. So if that's not going to be an, an, an injury issue, I think it was a pretty darn positive um, exhibition slate for Atlanta. So that's that's a positive overall. And uh, from here, they have a few practices coming their way. I believe they're going to have Saturday off from what I was told today. And then they'll be back, back in the gym Sunday, Monday, Tuesday before they dive into a game that counts on Wednesday. The Hawks open Wednesday at home against the Rockets. Houston played its final, its final game of preseason tonight as well in Indiana. They actually won on the road against the Pacers. Um, but uh, that's done as well. Everything points to the opener on Wednesday. The league opener is Tuesday, so that will be a little bit of a, you know, sort of a false start if you were just a Hawks fan, not more of an NBA fan. But if you like the whole league, Tuesday nights the, uh, the the night to circle for the entire league. But we'll have some more shows between now and the opener. And by the way, the Hawks also have a favorable schedule. I thought about this a lot when the schedule actually came out, but the early part of the Hawks schedule is very, very soft in a way that it was not in the last couple of seasons. It's Houston at home. It's Orlando at home on Friday, and then it's Charlotte at home on Sunday. The Hawks will be favored solidly in all three of those games. Now, you can't assume victories ever, but I think that Houston and Orlando are still in rebuilding mode. And for me, Charlotte is a team that I don't think is going to be very good this year. So that's pretty pretty favorable out of the gate over the weekend. And then they go to Detroit for a two-game set on Wednesday and Friday of the following week. So that's probably set up for like a 3-2 and two at minimum. Probably should be 4-1, 5-0. So we'll see how they fare, Uh, but uh, just as a quick reminder there, we'll have more on that later on this week. We'll have uh, my final predictions at some point about how the season's going to play out. I've given a lot of that away already at this point, just talking about the team and doing, you know, selective appearances, etc. I'm definitely higher on the Hawks than their over-under win total. I'm higher on the Hawks than the most projections that I've seen publicly outside of maybe 538 is pretty high on them, as we saw actually came out on Friday. But we'll have more on that. We'll have uh, the final thoughts on the shooting guard position at some point. That's the one spot that I have not hit on at this stage. And then, uh, yeah, then we're going to be here. We're basically already in season mode at this stage. So please subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate all the support. I know I'm rambling here deep into the night on a Friday into Saturday, but this is what happens when when you're on the road and have a lot to share on the podcast. But uh, I really do appreciate the support. People kind of been asking like how they can support the podcast and they can support my work, trying to uh, give you guys all the content that I possibly have. But the best thing is 
that you can possibly do to support me is to subscribe and click around on the podcast, go across platforms, download old, old episodes, um, all that fun stuff. Ratings, reviews. I don't have a Patreon. I don't have any of that stuff. So uh, if you like the podcast, just tell a friend about it. Tell two friends about it. Subscribe and all that fun stuff. I really do appreciate all the support. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. We'll have more coming next week. But between now and then, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next time.